0: Better Betters, I'm the host, Spanky, thanks for listening. Taping is Tuesday, December 17th, a week before Christmas Eve, getting ready for Christmas, one of my favorite times of year, probably not going to be doing this for the rest of the year, but we'll see what's up, depending if I get a little time to record another podcast. Um I got a lot of questions that I want to get to on the Twitter feed. So um, let's get right to it and then I'll talk about a few things I want to talk about probably as I elaborate on a few things. All right, let's go right down a line with these questions and see what's up. I gotta just click on this and find out where it's at alright here we go okay answer in have you ever feared for your safety because of the success you've had over the years with legal offshore and street bookies what are some precautions to take when dealing with large amounts of money um, answer I've never feared for my safety because I do the right thing um, obviously you know I work in the unregulated markets, and I deal with a lot of street guys and whatnot. But if you do the right thing by people, there's nothing to fear. You just uh, treat others the way you want to be treated. Um, the people that fear for their safety, are the people that are the people that are robbing people, the people who are doing people dirty, the people that are uh, you know not paying when they should have to pay, etc., etc., etc. So no, nah, there's no fear at all. Um, precautions when you're dealing with large amounts of money, you know. You know, if I go to a casino or a valet, I'm not going to go park in a self park garage where I get jumped. Um, and it's little stuff like that. You know, I don't. It's. You just got to just think about it and just don't be stupid, pretty much. I know it's basic answer, but that's all I could think of. Alan, my man. Dink Inc. Alan Dickinson, one of a great friend of mine, a professional sports better. If there's. Uh, legend in the business uh, on a short list, Uh, Dinky is one of them, so I love when I see a question from Dinky, because he's taught me so much, I can't believe I can answer a question from him, this is great. Alright, do you have a chart for point spread and money line equivalents, and how much does the total of the game matter? Yeah, great question, Dink, as always, Um, yeah, we definitely have a chart. Um And the total of the game, of course, yes, it does matter. Um, it matters. It's, uh, it's not a big thing, but it does matter. Um, obviously, the higher the total, um, the less of, uh, of a half a point is worth um, on the spread. Um, I don't have the chart on how the total moves. We kind of just do, you know, okay, well, this total is high. Let's take a few cents off here. But um, I don't have a chart on what the NFL 3 is worth on a total of 55 versus a total of 37. Again, it's just kind of like a mental calculation where I'm just going to take a few pennies off given the total is high. The big thing, obviously, is in baseball where, you know, the 1, a team winning by 1, a home team winning by 1 is going to be a lot more frequent in the National League than the American League just because the total is usually lower in the National League. So that's a big one. Um, that I could think of right off the bat, but um, that's definitely something to consider. You can't treat things isolated. You have to be able to look at a spread and factor in a total as well um, with respect to how much each half point is worth. Thanks for the question, Dink. Next one, Lewis on Air. You said injuries are taken into account in the line. What else does the line account for? The line, I think, accounts for everything, and injuries are definitely it. But then, when a status change, so if you have an injury, if you have a a, a, a player that's probable, and then if he just shoots down a doubtful, um, that's kind of like a fifty percent move. Again, last time I talked about the quadrants. You got out, questionable. I'm sorry, out, doubtful, questionable, probable, and in. And if you move just uh, you know from questionable to doubtful, questionable, probable. Usually that's not much of a move, especially because the questionable wasn't a real questionable because there's always a lean somewhere. So you're not gonna really see too much move but when you have somebody that's probable and he goes to doubtful or vice versa, or somebody that you think is in but he's out, that's the biggest move of course, um, that's when stuff like that you wanna look out for. So um you know when these injury status changes you definitely wanna look for uh, for stat and and the biggest part is is in to out right because there's no news on somebody being out because if there was news he'd probably be questionable you know what I mean or probable so that's the hardest news to be able to catch um, when somebody just out of the blue is not going to play um, and that that's something that we 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 really feel as if we have a big edge because you know it's off people's radar so, so when somebody's questionable people are just watching them watching watching news for this guy and it's on everybody's radar we have algorithms set up that that's a lot of doing a lot of uh, parsing and a lot of looking and we're looking at different players and looking at different things we're, we're able to tell um, in, in a fast efficient manner when somebody goes from in to out or, uh, or, or or out to in I guess out to in but not really because it's kind of when somebody's out then he's going to be in there's a big hype on when his return is going to be and stuff so that's not that big it's the in to out that's the big you know hundred percent move um, that you want to look out for and if you could catch those that's like catching lightning you could really make some money and catch a nice price if the, you know if it's a, if it's a big player all right Another answer in another question. From your experience in seeing other pros in a biz, is it preferable to be a high volume better or being selective and picking your own spots with bigger units? Um I always think it's best to be high volume because you want to be able to stretch out your equity. Um I'd rather have a one percent return on a thousand pieces than uh... ten percent return on a hundred pieces you you every when you stretch out that equity then your variance is going to obviously decrease and your true edge is going to be realized so the more and more bets you place then the more ch- the, the more you're going to be able to see your true edge and you're going to be able to earn and, and then the risk is going to be eliminated. So, being selective, any of these guys saying I bet 10 plays a year, that's not a pro. There's no pro that does that shit. You know, you know, we're betting hundreds thousands, tens of thousands. You just want to be able to bet as much as possible when you have the edge so you realize it. And again, once the game starts, you have no control. The players on the field or on the court are going to determine that, but in the long run the math works itself out and you're able to realize that edge another question from dinky holy two for two here what is the approximate amount of money you have been sifted for since you began and what is the single biggest amount oh my god okay um this is a real question I love it dinky comes in with the real ones so the biggest single amount I remember was 319,000 um and uh, uh you know there's a bookmaker and uh, I'm still old till today um and uh and the, I've I've probably been stiffed total probably close to a million dollars that I've done I am on the street which is relatively honestly a low number in this business at the pro level um you know obviously bookmakers have been stiffed a lot more than, than players in general but as a player you know a million bucks. Uh, over my lifetime um, is, is probably what I'm owed. Um, and again, a lot of it's, it's all, you know, a few betting partners and, and, a, and a lot of bookmakers. Bookmakers that went under. Um, back in the day, there's so many of the bookmakers Kings Bet, uh, uh, you know, Bet on Sports, Big NASA, um, with them and that whole crew, Millennium and all those guys. Um, and, uh, you know, other places, Bet Royal camelot aces gold i'm just going through the list of all the places that went under um that wind up laying down but uh it's just part of the business you know you kind of do your due diligence this is one of those things in which you never you know nobody will ever do business obviously if some if you know you're gonna get stiffed so um you kinda everything's reputation in this business, and you would obviously know this. He has an impeccable reputation, and the people at the top level always know that. You know, if you don't know somebody in this business, you always know somebody that knows somebody in this business. So anybody that's on on the top level, you could always ask about him. You know, and again, that's something I took pride in. People could always ask. You know, hey, how spanky? You? you know, he wants to play in my shop. And they could say whatever they want. Oh man, he's gonna pick off your numbers. He's tough to beat. You know, he'll he'll. You can't you can't blink. Um, you know, I wouldn't. You know, I don't care about all that. The most important thing though is does he pay when he loses? That's the most important thing in this business. You could have the biggest edge. You could have everything. But if you don't get paid when you win. Um, then what doesn't matter. And if you don't pay when you lose, then you shouldn't be in this business. So it's one of those things in which if you do the right thing and if your reputation speaks for itself, then you start growing and growing and growing. um, And that's the most important thing. And I take pride in having uh, an impeccable reputation when it comes to stuff like that. All right. Bill, D. Johnson's swag. What books offer reduced juice? Looking for a book that frequently offers around minus 05 on each side well i deal with a lot of asian sports books and um and in asia minus 105 is default um i remember an asian guy once told me he goes in in china if you deal 110 uh you insult the player and i was like holy shit really it's like that so it's crazy. Um, and minus 05 is standard in, in these Asian sports books. So if you want to try to grab some 05, you've got to try to, you know, meet some Asian friends or go into that market. Um, back in the day, there was a lot of guys that you'd have promotions. Um, you know, I remember places that would have 05 Fridays, 05, you know, 05 Wednesdays or stuff like that. Midnight Madness was a place I remember. I forgot who it was, but they would have 05 for like an hour or two. Uh, you know, around midnight on Friday night, right before the Saturday games, you kind of want to look for stuff like that. Um, but uh, 05 is very hard to come by. You know, I would love to see more 05, but listen, we're at a point right now in which some of these regulated places in Pennsylvania they're trying to lay for trying to deal minus 14. So you know what? If we could just keep everything 110, I think uh, you know we're all right. 05 is like a bonus if we ever see it. Okay, Crispy's luck. Have you ever done spread betting? Uh, yeah, I bet spreads. Uh, point spread I don't even know what that means. I bet point spreads. So, yes, that's what—that's mostly what I do. Alright, let's do the next question. At Gugabed. Do you think money line prices being tied to handicaps is an accurate source of truth? Surely, in some matchups, a team can win 90% of the time without necessarily covering the handicap of minus 11 approximately 50% of the time. Um I, I got to read that question again. Uh T in 90% of the time without necessarily covering the handicap of minus 11 approximately 50% of the time. Or uh, if you have minus 11 um 90 minus 11 is not going to be a minus 900, you know, cuz if you're covering 90% of the time, that's a 9 to 1 favorite and Minus 11 is not going to be minus 100, but I get what you're saying. Um, Your point is, is that is the money line reflective? Well, again, the money line is a different spread. It's a wider spread. The higher, uh, the higher point spread you get. I don't want to be able to take. uh, You could take just the simple average of of the and, and go right in the middle to what the comeback is. And yeah, can you find you know different? points in which uh, a sports book has a better money line price than he does a better point spread right absolutely i think you definitely could find an edge there but more or less the, the best of the best sports books um they kind of got to want to keep aligned with that and again i'm 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 from the point in which technology should be doing everything so if i'm moving my point spread you know the money line should be moving automatically. A lot of guys book those things separately where everything should move. If, you know, if I'm running a sports book, the minute I move my point spread, everything else should move proportionate. So the first half should automatically move, all my quarter lines should move, the money line should move, boom, 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 boom. Um, unless otherwise, if there's other information I have where, you know, if a team is only going to have the starter in in the first half, not the second half or whatever, you know, these off the wall anomalies, but for the most part, everything is correlated, so things should be moving in unison. But yes, you can definitely find places or times in which you could catch more value, either on the spread or the money line, depending. All right, poorly at NR. L player stats a question in regards to your work with partners and or bowlers which is betting with other people's accounts are you worried that you will ever get in trouble for betting via these means nah I'm not getting in any trouble uh, Paulie I don't I don't bet in uh, regulated shops with other people's accounts, so I'm not violating any terms of service with that. A lot of guys try to say, "Hey, listen, I got a Will Hill account." No, nah, no, nah, that's not me. I'm not going to be betting in any regulated U.S. sportsbooks. All my all my betting partnerships happen offshore, where everything's anonymous anyway. So uh, you know, and and you just have a username, a website username, password. I'm not going to be betting with somebody else's account um, here uh, in, in the U.S., where you know it's very clear that I'm not wanted as a player. So now nah, I'm not worried at all. All right, J Ball, asked the J Ball, ask the J Ball. What's the best way to track closing line value over time? If you beat the closing line, it is, is it always a plus EV bet? Uh, best way to track closing line value over time is to chart it, or to buy the data, or to parse the data. So there's several different ways. You could parse it from different websites that show your closing line. Um, just to think, you know, there's so many of them. That that out there, but you you could definitely find a clo- historical if you Google history closing line value or I mean closing line history you could find it. Um, so that's pretty simple. You just got to be able to build a database for that or buy it. So back when I first started back in 99 2000, a guy by the name of Andy Iskoe, I S K O E, he's still on Twitter, um, and uh, I bought all my data from him. And if you go to his website, I think it was called the Logical Approach. Um And I'm just pulling up that website right now, thelogicalapproach.com. Holy shit, it looks the same way. It looked in 1999. This is incredible. Yeah, this is the shit. So this is where I bought all my data. This website is so old, but it was the only place back then, one of the few places that had all this historical data. So, you know, i got to give Andy Iskoe I don't even know how you say his last name. I'm just saying. But that's the place that I would go to... to to, that's the place I went to buy my stuff. Um, if you beat the closed line, is, is it always a plus EV bet? No, absolutely not. you gotta, you, know, you got to overcome the bookmaker's vig. So if I'm laying uh, uh, five, and the 5 and a line closes 5.5, I'm going to lose a lot slower because um, the times when the line lands five, I'm going to have a push instead of a loss, but it's not enough. You want to be able to beat the closing line enough, and again, that depends on the, the, the line, it's, and, and spread totals, sport, all that stuff, but you have to beat it enough to be able to overcome the bookies' VIG. All right, Jordan Beal at EV underscore negative. That's not a nice name. You want to have positive, not negative. What things can you do to keep help keep accounts open longer? um... that's a pro question, Jordan, so that's, you know, I, I'm assuming you're a pro or a semi-pro, what, what you want to do is you want to be able to bet regular stuff, you want to be able to bet NFL, uh, you want to be able to give courtesy plays, you want to be able to not go for the jugular every time, so um, that's what I, that's what we do, we always make it a point to always bet NFL in, in our accounts um, just so that they could last longer, even if we don't have plus EV on that piece it's okay because like I said this is a hand, uh, my, I, scratch, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. relationship with a bookmaker. It's a privilege to be able to bet with these bookmakers, at least for me, because it's my livelihood. And, um, you know, I need them a lot more than they need me. So I try to make sure that I always give, you know, courtesy NFL plays, always bet the pro sports. And, you know, there's some guys that go right for the juggler. They only bet props. You start doing that shit, the accounts are going to be gone very fast. So, all right, next it's Dak. At Dax Fun Place, are there any leagues you don't bet due to CLV not being worth as much on average? Um, you know, see, look, uh, NFL NFL sp- you know, sides not that much uh, between open and close. Um, stuff's not moving that much except for an injury, unless you're betting them early Sunday night um, when the lines first come out. But again, this is one of those things in which I, you know. For cover, just like the other question, I'm gonna still bet the NFL just so that I can I can last longer. But yeah, I, I try to the line the, the 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 sports where the lines are moving a lot, that's the stuff we're mostly betting. Jackson Duval at Jackson Duval. Do you plan to bet on the XFL in February? Did you bet any Alliance of America football games last year? If yes, what kind of research did you do to prepare for betting these upstart leagues? Um, yeah, you know, listen, we'll bet the XFL. Alliance of America Football, I don't think we mess with that. I know that was just a short-lived thing. It was a big edge on that, but it kind of passed us by. Um, uh, what research you kind of, like, I remember when the WNBA first came out. You know, it's basketball, so you kind of want to look at your basketball. You don't have any historical numbers. And for us, all oh, we need to know what a half a point is worth. There's nothing else we could do um, except know what a half a point is worth. Let the bookmakers make the number. We're just going to try to find the discrepancies in those numbers and try to capitalize on that. So, you know, at WNBA, it was kind of a shorter clock, lower totals. So you kind of like equate it, semi to college basketball. XFL. I don't know. You know. I don't know the rules of the game. I, you got to look at the rules to see. You know, Canadian football is completely different. You know, Canadian football. those guys could score one point. So the numbers are worth a lot. They're not. They're, they're not. You can't relate them to like a, a regular traditional NFL game. But XFL. You know, we're probably gonna use. Maybe you just start off with a base of NFL numbers, and if we have to adjust accordingly, we will. Um, and that's pretty much it. Um, with that. All right. Uh, let's see here rick stalks at rick's five 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 zero how do i get new account at a rec book when i get cut down to fifty dollar max you know rick that's welcome to my life brother i don't know you just gotta get another out that's just how it is alright pokero mike at pokero mike four if you are arbing is that really fair to your betting partners yeah if i'm gonna be able to get off a piece of mike um, or if I'm going to arb a piece if I'm too heavy on one side, I make sure I don't bet the other side of my betting partner's accounts. I have my own buyback or cold accounts, individual accounts, that I don't share with betting partners in order to limit my exposure. So, if let's just say I have you know a, a big amount in a game, but I don't want to go in having that big amount on that piece and I want to be able to buy back a little bit, then I will. However, if I think the line over moved, and I think it's going to come back down, um... Then absolutely, I'll bet that into my betting partners' accounts because we'll have edge on that piece as well. CT at CT Bets. Looking forward to more episodes, Spanky. Thanks, bro. Some questions: If you were to start your journey again in today's world, how would you go about organizing your business? What would you have done differently? Things you found on the way that helped you improve? Oh man, ah, uh, you know, I would um. I don't really have any regrets. The only thing that I, if I could change, you know, I got arrested in 2012, wrapped up in a big case um, with Queens, New York, and, um, you know, I would, I would, if I were to change things, I would make sure that my phone calls were uh, unambiguous, where it was very clear that I was just a better, um, because, you know, during that case, I was charged with bookmaking and I wasn't booking, you know. At the end of the day, I want to pleading guilty to booking bets that I placed. Believe that if that makes any sense, but um, but it was just one of those things in which I think if I would have been more clear and, and more more direct, more unambiguous on my phone calls, um, then maybe I would have never got wrapped up in stuff like that. You know, right now I live I live my life as if every phone call is being tapped. I know it's a sucky way to live, but once you've gotten pinched and once you've you know you, you you've been through that. You have to be able to adjust and understand that, you know, the Fourth Amendment gets violated all the times. There isn't probable cause uh, at all usually for anybody to listen to your stuff. Um, so you just have to be able to just, you know, assume your phone calls are being tapped. Live life that way, and um, if you if you're tapping yourself, etc., um, then you know that. You're, you're gonna be all right because you're not doing nothing wrong, and you're not being. You have to be very crystal clear that you're on the right side of the counter. You're not an illegal bookmaker. I'm just a bettor. All right, Omaha Club at Omaha underscore Club. What's your view on offshore betting exchanges instead of offshore bookies? They would seem a perfect fit as you can play both sides of the book and never have to worry about limits. They typically also offer better odds. Yeah, Omaha Club, a lot of these offshore betting exchanges, the biggest problem with them or any other exchanges that are planning to come into the mix is liquidity. Um, you're going to have to have somebody seed the exchanges and it has to be a professional seeder there is no such thing as players seeding the exchanges because very few players know how to even seed something they don't really hang up offers and unless you have somebody that's seeding it that knows what they're doing you're not going to have the liquidity trust me Um, I've seen so many exchanges that have reached a lot of people, but unless you have somebody sitting there essentially playing bookmaker, um, it's not going to be that successful. You need a professional seeder or two, or one in each sport, to be able to provide that liquidity to make everybody happy. Um, I've been offered by some places to seed, and it's just too much of a pain in the ass. If I was going to do that, you know what I mean, uh, Why would I, I would have... Years ago, I would have decided to uh, go into the dark side and, book, and start booking myself. So I'm not going to put in the time and effort to be able to do that. Um, I'd rather just be able to play sniper and, and pick numbers off. Okay, JMC at JMC underscore PGH. Love the podcast so far. Thanks, bro. Who do you think is the single sharpest book for U.S. sports? Bought none. The best bookmaker is Bookmaker.eu. That's a place I've been with them since I started. Guys are great over there. Very sharp. Everybody. There's nobody in the world that will disagree with me, I think, that's a, that knows the business. Um, you know, U.S. sports uh, bookmaker is, is, is king. Winston, at Wins, 0904. What would you do to make money right now if betting stopped being an option? What program do you use to keep track of all the finances? Excel? Uh, what would I do if I, if, uh, if I to make money right now, dude? I have no idea. This is my, you know, this is my life. I remember my barber back in the day. It was an old Italian guy named Vito, uh, Jersey City, and he. Rode, I'm like Vito, you know. Would you ever plan on retiring? And he used to tell me, "This is my breath." Um, and an Italian, this is my breath. And I, I would say, "Man, like you breathe." I've been doing it since I was eight years old. He would tell me, and and this is all he knows. This is he loves it. He can't. And um, and same for me like you know I, again, I've been doing this for 20 years, but I don't know anything else. This is what I know. this is what I love. So I can't even think about not doing this um, It's never even crossed my mind. Um, but you know you got to make sure you diversify you know I got try to get into real estate a little bit, kinda make your money work for you. you know they always say the first million is the hardest million to make and once you do go from there, you kind of make your money, uh, have your money work for you, so. Uh, What program do you keep track of? All your finances, Excel, now, you know, everything when it comes to our figures, everything is all built. I built, you know, all my stuff years and years ago, um, using Java, Java server pages, you know, MySQL, all these technologies that are uh, pretty basic, but this is what I, I built my platform on, so I'm a Java guy. Alright, Spence, at Spence Diamonds underscore, what percentage of straight plays are enough to mask props? Thanks, as always, getting a lot out of the pod, especially to Paul Lang, thanks, Spence. What percentage of straight plays are enough to mask props? I think at the bare minimum, it's got to be 50%, Um, but I think it should be more, Uh, again, you know what I mean you gotta be able the props it just sticks out like a sore thumb <coughs> and if every other player's props it's not gonna be looking good I'd say to be safe I'd shoot for 75 that's my guess you know our, our props are probably less than 5% maybe 10% tops alright Beach Bookie yeah uh, Bookie Beach oh my man Beach Bookie I know that guy he's a good guy do you think online betting will eventually reduce the need for over the counter shops Why are sports books weighted by bells and whistles rather than the ability to bet and deal with fair operators? So, okay, will online betting reduce the need for over-the-counter shops? I don't think so. I think um, there's always a need to be able to hold that ticket in your hand, to be able to feel that money by the public. When you bet online, you don't really feel it in your hands. Um, Obviously, online is going to keep growing and growing, but I do believe that... um, that feel, that need to be able to feel that ticket, be able to sit in a sports book and watch the game is always going to be there. So I don't think uh, over-the-counter shops are, are going to be gone forever, no. Why are sports were created by bells and whistles rather than the ability to bet and deal with fair operators? Again, same kind of reasoning, you know, guys that go into a sports book, um, they want to be able to have things they don't have at home, they want to have the big TVs, they want to have the beautiful cocktail waitresses, they want to have the feel, the ambiance, they want to be able to, you know, be able to be the camaraderie of being able to root with other people you don't know, that's what sports brings together, so people like that stuff. that's what the public likes and that's what most people like again I'm from a different breed uh, you know I, you could put me in the world's best sports book the most beautiful sports book um, versus you could put me in a place that if I could lay 05 and get good limits I don't care if it was raining on me people throwing shit on me uh, I'd rather be in, be there laying 05 you know so it's just different I'm everybody has their different things I don't watch games um, Really, I don't. You know, I remember a, a great story when I was betting at DraftKings for a short time. Uh, the guy Hal over there, who, who runs the joint at the resorts, you know, they didn't kind of didn't really know who I was then or whatever. So I was betting a bunch of games and stuff, and he would come up to me. You know, I was I had my own window. They locked it. They put a reserved sign up. I was being treated good until I started winning. Um, and uh, and then he would come up to me and goes, Hey man, what game do you want on this TV? Um, and then I'm like, I have no idea, but I'm not going to watch TV. I'm here waiting for my office to tell me what to go bet. That's it. I don't, you know, but I would, of course, have to play the game. And he goes, yeah, because I, I might have bet 20000 on some game. And he goes, yeah, I'll put that Ohio State game up there for you. I'm like, oh, yeah, all right, you know, just playing along. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I don't give a shit what you put up there. Just make sure there's nobody in front of me on that line. Reserve that window because I'm ready to fire so again, everybody's different on what you on what's important for you in a sports book, but for the most part, everybody wants that beautiful atmosphere, and, 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 and so forth, so on, and so forth. All right, backdoor cover at PJD five seventy. What percentage of your bets are in derivative markets? <coughs> and do you have guys who handicap those markets? Yes, small percentage. I have my own prop team. Also, do you bet into the soccer markets? No, I always wanted to. I just never got around to it. Keep up the good work. These podcasts are great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Backdoor cover. All right, here we go. Lewis at Lewis on Air. In response to studying line movement, what's the difference between studying line movement by looking at a screen all day? Or just using a site that shows you the history of the line movement. Hmm. All right, you know, it's one of those things in which that's like saying, you know, you could read about the war and you could read about somebody that spent time on the front lines and they could tell you, describe their experiences. Or you could actually sit on the front lines. So it's one of those things in which you want to be able to see it as it happens. If you're looking at the history of line movement, you know, you'll have timestamps from each individual sports book, but you can't see you know you have to be able to see it in one big picture and see how that transpired. You know, the time span timestamps might be within a second of each other, but then you, you kind of catch a feel. This is how you're able to spot a fake. This is how you're able to spot if a game is gonna go up. Um, or a game's gonna go down, etc., etc., etc. So you just have to know. You, you know, um, you know. I, I remember there's one game. I don't know what the game was, but back in the day, uh, Billy Walters was faking a game, and I, I fell right for it. Um, he bet a game plus three, and I took down a bunch of plus threes also. But then I was there, and then I was just sitting there, and the line was painted two and a half. I felt good, and then all of a sudden. You just I just started feeling. I saw one shop just sneakily go to three. And then I'm thinking, holy shit. And then it just got to me. And then I had to make a split second decision. And my guys are looking at me. And I just yell, later two and a half, call Grande, blah, blah, blah. And call Chris, blah, blah. We just call everybody. And we were able to get off the whole thing. And then some, and we were able to be loaded up on the minus two and a half. And I later found out that Billy was trying to fake that game. And um, I kind of, you know, that was one of those times in which I won that battle. Um, believe me, I've lost so many against him, but he's one of those guys in which you just have to, you know, you, and again, that's just a feel. You have to be able to feel it and see how things are being on the trenches, in the front lines, watching line moves. And again, it's an experience thing. You have to know um, and feel how the lines are moving and know when things are happening. So no substitution for experience in any field whisper lunch at whisper lunch explain in detail with examples on when beating the closing line means whose closing line and examples and how please I kinda whispered that question whisper lunch um explain examples on beating the closing line alright so this is a. Uh, so if let's just say you know a line is minus three and if I'm able to lay three, Whisper, um, and then right before the game starts, the line is five. The closing line is the line that right before the game starts. So if I'm, able to, if I'm able to lay minus three, and the line when the game starts, which is what you assume to be the true line, is minus five, then you got two points the best of it there. You got a nice edge there. So that's an example. Again, you know, call it a football game, basketball game, whatever it is. That's an edge. So You want to be able to do that. You want to be able to anticipate where the line's going to move and beat it by a significant amount for you to have a long-term edge. I hope that was enough of an example um, for you. All right. Johnny Elias at Better Days. At Better underscore Days. Better Day. There's a place I play into called Better Days. Um I know you're offshore predominantly, but do the books that have banned you or lowered your limits stateside do the same even for the Super Bowl? Feel like they would welcome as much action as possible. Nah, nobody's going to really limit me or ban me for the Super Bowl, although I don't think I could bet the Super Bowl at places like William Hill or or DraftKings, because I think I'm indefinitely banned for them, same thing with Caesars, MGM, all those guys. But nah, Super Bowl is one of those things in which betting into the Super Bowl, is falling right into the bookmaker's trap. That's the most efficient line. That's the most solid line in the, in the world. Um, and again, the media, the public, everybody will have podcasts and shows and all this shit about the Super Bowl. It's one game. The money isn't any greener if you win it on the Super Bowl versus betting you know, Butler against St. Peter's College or whatever. And just two obscure teams. It doesn't matter. So you want to be able to find lines that are inefficient not super duper efficient and again sports books will want you to bet the Super Bowl come come and get it It, this is falling into the bookmakers trap I try to avoid betting the Super Bowl again I my prop team will find different props exotic props that are usually not hung up on every game that's a different story because those were a little bit inefficient but again when it comes to the game we never really bet the game ever it's just not, you know, again, if you want to do it as a cover or as a courtesy play, but I stay away from the Super Bowl. Hey, Spanky, is it possible to beat the closing line and not win long term? Yeah, we talked about that already. you got to beat it enough to be able to overcome the bookmaker's vig. Also, if so, how how should the closing line be beat by to make long term profits? That all depends. Spread a total and the sport. So it all depends. So you, I know you put some percentages there, but you got to be able to, it all depends. Um, uh, If I lay three in an NFL game, line closes four, that's enough. But if I lay five and a half, line closes six and a half, probably not enough. You know what I mean? It's definitely not enough. So it, it all depends. Um, okay, what do we got here? Um, uh, Mo Wanchuk at DJ Cole 2014 can one compute money line value versus point spread value to point spread value i.e. typically how much is a half a point worth in money line obviously it would be different for key numbers but generally hope explaining myself okay thanks yeah um you know like for the nfl 3 the money lines are three flat will be around minus 55 and then you kind of go from there you got the biggest thing to understand is that that you know uh when you're talking about juice and you're talking about the number of pennies um, you know uh, even money to minus 110 is very different than you know minus 150 to minus 160 if you just think about it in terms of percentage points and even money play that's a 50% chance of winning um, uh, uh, a minus oh, two dollars is a uh, 66% two to one 66% uh, chance of winning 66.67 whatever it was and then, you know, th- my 3 to 1 is 75%. So, to, in order to go from even money to $2, you're getting 16 percentage points. But to go from $2 to $3, it's, you're only getting 9 percentage points. So, it's different. Not every penny is equivalent. Um, again, the closer you get to even money, that's how much it's, it, it means something more. Um, so, you can't treat all the pennies differently um, when it comes to computing that. And that's something my man... Um, from that, you know, when I was first coming up in a business, and, and it's such an easy concept. Um, but you can, you know, my buddy down there, RP, he taught me uh, down in Costa Rica, he taught me that, and it's kind of an eye opener for me. So props to him. Well, if you guys know who that is, all right. Um, Pokono Mike at Pokono Mike for how do you protect against betting partners selling your info? They are out there. I can't protect against that, and you know what, I don't even give a shit, um, I know what happens, see what we do is we have um, we have uh, periodic tests on our system, whenever we get accounts, and we'll do this even for long-standing accounts, where we'll be able to just bet that account and wait, um, and see if there's any leaks um... you know there's guys that have given me two three accounts and they have forty accounts on their own and they're trying to copy my plays once we see something like that happening then unfortunately I you know what I mean that betting partner is ruining my business and I'm I'm trying to help him, and he's trying to ruin me. So again, it's not you know what I mean I, if something like that happens, we're going to bet the bet the the wrong side in those accounts. So you're going to be able to be create value for me. And again, we don't I don't like to do that too often. Usually, I'll, I'll give a a warning call, or I'm like, listen, my man, you know whatever you're doing, you're trying to scrape my account, you're trying to be able to you know see what I'm playing and playing it at all these other different places. Um, I'd appreciate if you stop. And that's it. You give a warning call, but then if it continues to happen, again, we're going to be putting the bad pieces in there uh, because then they're going to be moving the market for us and it's going to cost us nothing. So, you know, that's something that we're going to do. But there's nothing I can protect. It's very hard. If somebody wants to follow my accounts, it's it's going to be very difficult to be able to get the same prices I'm getting. (laughs) Most of the stuff we're betting is usually moving at the time. So, and, and we're always betting the best line in the world. So, it's difficult um, to be able to uh, to tail my pleas. That's why I don't tout, that's why I don't do any of that shit. Instead, betting partners give me accounts. It's actually a good time to talk about betting partners. Um, I don't have a sponsor for this. A lot of people kind of reached out to me for sponsorships, a couple of guys. And um, again, if I don't use your product or if I don't believe in your product, um, you know, I'm not going to accept you as a sponsor. You know, I have the luxury because this costs me nothing to do, um, and uh, you know, I don't know if the quality isn't that great, maybe, but whatever. This is just takes my time. Uh, this is the, the, I I have time, and I'm able to do this. I don't I don't I don't have a I don't need people to you know to give me a nickel a week or a dime a week to sponsor my podcast, I don't need that money, um, again, I'm not going to turn down free money if I believe in a product, so I don't want to deter any sponsors from trying to approach me, but only if I use your product or if I believe in your product, I'm never going to accept sponsorship from somebody I don't believe, I can't be bought, I'm um, beyond that at this point, you know, Thank God I'm able to turn down sponsorships where a lot of people can't do it. They need to be able to meet expenses. I have zero expenses. Um, So that brings it, you know, the spot. this podcast is brought to you by Chinese Mike uh, at Chinese Mike 2. If you want to become betting partners, reach out to Chinese Mike at Chinese Mike 2 on Twitter. And you give us accounts. We'll be able to play into the accounts we'll be betting partners, our, all of our interests are aligned, we've been doing this for so long, you know, when it comes to this business, you know, it's borderline printing money, we know what we're doing, we're able to beat the bookmakers, that's why, again, I'm on Twitter, for, let's let's keep it real here, okay, why do I go on Twitter, I'm on Twitter mainly for self-promotion to try to be able to expand my business to be able to get betting partners, that's the big thing, okay, a lot of this stuff is, you know, I'm, I'm and again, I'm, I'm not going to bullshit you guys saying I'm just doing this to be a nice guy and I care about everybody. Nah, that's not me. Let's keep it real here, okay? There's monetary uh, 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 reasoning behind everything. Um, I'm trying to, you know, increase my earn. But at the same time, listen, I still enjoy doing this. I like to help people out. But, you know, to go out of my way and do all this, no. I'm trying to get betting partnerships to be able to, because again, I lose accounts all the time. It's hard. And any betting partner that's going to get me account, we're probably going to lose the account eventually. That's how it is. But we'll make some money by the time we lose the account, hopefully. And then, you know, at least we'll have some extra money. But I'm losing accounts all the time because bookmakers, not too many bookmakers are out there that are able to be able to book long term. We do our best to try to disguise the work, to try to be able to uh, keep the longevity of the account uh, intact. But um, again... It's hard. So, that being said, that's the ad for the whole podcast. Reach out to Chinese Mike at Chinese Mike2 on Twitter if you want to become betting partners. You give us offshore accounts, we're able to play into them, and we split both the profits and the losses. Obviously, there'll be more profits than losses. All right, let's move on. The book at Three Mad Mets Fans just lost this shit. I moved it. Where the hell did it go? Alright, here it is. What advice can you give someone who bet on the Redskins and then followed it up with the under in the Niners game? Uh, those are the two bad beats of the week. Really, like, devastating bad beats. You know, that's a tough question, but honestly, you know, for every, the way I tell everybody, for every bad beat um, that somebody experiences, there's going to be a miracle win. And, you know as humans we don't remember the miracle wins um... and we just tend to forget them we only remember the negative um... because it stung us that hard a miracle win <coughs> usually doesn't stick with us so like i said everything evens out in the long run i know that's a bad beat but you, you've you obviously and you, you probably won't remember them but you've had miracle wins also so you know what you take the good with the bad that's just part of the business okay rp3 at r underscore f underscore p underscore three how many different books do you recommend taking action from? five, ten, as many as possible alright let's be very clear here I don't take action from anybody I'm not a bookmaker I'm just a better Um, so how many different books do you recommend betting into? Um, yes, I recommend you know thousands if you can you know what i mean i know that's crazy but again i'm automated and i could do that so for somebody realistic you know if you're living in new jersey and if you want to bet into the regulated sports books there i would have every single app um and i would look compare lines to all those i would have a few offshore accounts um, guys that are highly rated that you know you're going to get paid um as many as possible that's how it is it's as many as you can because line shopping is the biggest advantage everybody can have. Line shopping. Every bookmaker has different prices. Okay? That's what makes it so beautiful. That's what makes this industry so beautiful, the market depth of it. Okay? Whereas if you're in the equities market, whatever the stock price is, you know, it's traded on, you know, it's, it's going to be pretty stagnant on what the number is going to be. Um and, uh, versus uh, the sports market you can have one bookmaker dealing a three on one game three and a half on the same game four on the same whatever it is it used to be crazy so shop, shop, shop there's, there's no bigger um, advice I could give to anybody than to shop for the best line possible and in order to shop you have to have places to shop at okay Jim Viviano at Jim Viviano love your stuff thanks Jim what advice do to, to you give serious bettors on where to get plays from if they don't originate with modeling and most touts are scum? Yes, I have my good guys but curious of your thoughts. Um, you know, the best place to be able to get plays is to be able to just follow the screen, look at an odd screen, and just try to tail where the lines are going anticipate line moves. Um, usually somebody feeding you information, and if that line still exists, it's probably not that sharp Um, and that's the truth Um, you want to be able because listen there's not enough to go around Um, you want to be able to bet a number um, at the best price and um, anticipating movement is the best way to do so we're almost done here I'm coming down to the bottom the hammerhead sharp at Hammerhead Sharp, how do you handle bankroll management? Do you take a percentage of your winnings as profit and allocate a percentage towards growing your bankroll and increasing your bet size? Do you have a set bankroll and take all winnings over that amount as profit with no regard for growing the bankroll? Um, honestly, Hammerhead Shop, you know, bankroll issues no longer exist for me. You know, that's a good thing, thank God um... you know we're able to the market's just not big enough to be able to uh... To, for me to consider that that being said uh... when i first came up in a business you know i was doing this for three years and i didn't pull a dollar out i um, just trying to i was middling and scalping a lot of games and i was just growing my bankroll growing my bankroll and just reinvesting the money because i was doing this um, while i still had my regular job so that's how i built up my bankroll um, but, yeah, that sounds like a, a plan where, you know, you could pay yourself a little bit. But, again, if you really love this stuff, um, you kind of don't want to take any money. If, if, if you got a true edge, just keep churning, keep putting the money in uh, until you're able to have enough so that you can then take money out and it won't hurt your business. Okay. Um, Hammerhead shop again coming in with a lot of questions. What do you consider to be statistically significant sample size to have confidence in the sustainable strike rate of a system? Uh, <coughs> you know, I like 2,000 but I think 1,000 might be enough. Maybe somewhere in the middle fifteen hundred. 1,500. Um, you know, if somebody tells me they're you know, on an NFL season that's definitely usually not going to be enough. Um, usually for a college basketball season Um, I like that, you know, if somebody wins their college basketball through a whole year, they've probably bet a lot of pieces. That's something I like to look at. So, again, if I'm looking at stuff like that, I definitely would love to be able to see at least a 1,000 plays if I'm going to rate somebody or if I'm going to think about, you know, listening to what they have to say um, or if they they really have a true edge and it's not just, you know, luck, um, then... um, then i think a thousand minimum but i again i like 2000 or 1500 at, at least so all right got a couple of more questions here my name athletic at on this at, a little bit doo-wop. my name at athletic underscore al can you place your shows on youtube i never thought about that um but i guess i got to figure that out al can you listen like on the other places? SoundCloud. I got that link up there. That there's Spotify. Soon, I think. I think you need six episodes to get on Apple. So I haven't gotten there yet, but it's on Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, SoundCloud, um, all that other stuff. So you know, I'll eventually. Maybe I'll get to it, but I don't know about it. Now right. this is, you know, it's, it's hard enough to put this shit up there. So if you could just hook me up a little bit and try to listen to it on these other platforms, I'd appreciate it, but thanks for the question. At champions23x, champions23, what's the craziest consecutive win streak you've ever been on? Also, what about the worst losing streak? Uh eh, you know, doing this, buddy, I've had about six, seven months in 20 years. Six, seven losing months, six or seven losing months in 20 years. So, we don't really lose too often, man. Um... You know, we've had losing NFL years, we've had losing NBA seasons, um, but we've never never had a losing college basketball season ever, never had a losing college football season ever, just because the sheer number of games are true edges realized. Where in the NFL, um, you could have some positive equity pieces, but it's hard to beat, number one, and number two, there's just not enough games. So somebody having a winning NFL year or a losing NFL year, Uh, or losing an NFL year is standard, right? But if somebody has a winning NFL year, it doesn't excite me as much. You know, I want to see three, four, five seasons, um, you know, where enough games are being played. That's what what makes the NFL so hard. It's just, you know, it's hard to be able to see if you actually have a true edge or it's just, you know, luck, the luck of, of how things played out. Whereas college basketball with, you know, thousands upon thousands of games, nah, you're gonna know right away you have edge or not, so um it's hard lose uh winning streak you know again, we've won all you know i I don't really follow streaks that's not my sting, but you know we win this is you know this is like again i try to it's it, once you've done this long enough and once you're able to spread out your equity enough, it just becomes about you know increasing the returns, the winning is going to be always win, but you want to, it's how much you want to win, and and that's the big thing, how much you can win um, alright last question here, Vegas Mug at can't underscore eat underscore value, have you ever crossed the line and used the piss draw for a shit, ha <laughs> ha ha alright, that's funny um piss, so, so I a long time ago not a long time ago, maybe I don't know how long it was ago. I tweeted out something in which and and where, you know, when I was hungry, when I was coming up in the business, um, I would watch the screens and I would just watch numbers move and i would be betting, betting, betting constantly that I wouldn't even take go to the bathroom and take a piss, I'd have a I'd have a piss draw. And that's a hundred percent true. Um I um you know I I wanted every edge I could possibly find. I just tweeted that you know I'd find out when the sports books were having a Christmas party so that I know that the number... I look at those numbers a little bit more because I know it'd be an uh, it'd be either unmanned or having an inexperienced lines manager. Um, and again, these these are like different level edges, um, and like a lot of people won't do something like this. And again, it, it is what it is. I have a standard uh, of excellence or a standard that I you know I um. I set for myself to be able to want to succeed, and I did it at all costs. Um, you know, I'll never forget when I was working at Deutsche Bank. I was going to work um, one day. It was a cold day, and I was I was I took the the subway from Port Authority, and um, and it was 52nd and Sixth, the 52nd, and uh, right by the Deutsche Bank building right there on 52nd Street and Sixth. But the the subway would stop at 52nd and Fifth. And there was a big escalator coming up. And I remember coming up that escalator. And there was this bum there. Um, and, and uh, you know, we were all in our, you know, everybody's just going to work. You know, the rush hour, you know, 8.45 in the morning, whatever it was. And this bum was there. He was a black guy. Seemed like a nice guy, but he was a little crazy. He would always spew out some crazy shit all the time. And people would just tone him out. And um and I'll never forget though that one day I'm coming up the escalator and then he starts shouting out. He says, "Look at you, you rats! Go run the race, you rats! Go to your masters!" Um, and and uh and he said something you know something to that extent. And I'll, it was always I remember he called everybody rats. And you know, I, you know you just look down on the escalator and we're just all running to our jobs, doing the nine to five thing. And honestly, that thing, that line right there by a bum telling me that kind of woke me up. And it's crazy that you get, you know, the best inspiration, the best advice from a homeless bum um, on the streets of New York in a subway station. But that just told me like, damn, look at me, he's right. I'm over here thinking, I've been trained, you know, you go to school, you get a good education, you get a good job, you retire at 65, 66, you live out your retirement years, have a retirement fund, blah, 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 just do the standard thing that everybody else does. And I said to myself, Oh my like, shit, man, why am I trying to make somebody else rich? Why am I spending all my time um, doing this when when I could maybe instead, um, maybe, maybe, Build my own business, work on my own, and um, and that's what kind of that was a kind of like the seed that kind of planted um, for me to kind of do something on my own and 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 start betting sports professionally um, or semi-professional until I was able to build enough of a bankroll and have confidence to leave my regular job. Um, and since that day, um, every time I would always I put the fear in myself, and I put that fear in me to say you know what I never want to be on that escalator again and I never want that bum to talk to me like that ever again and, and I'm gonna do everything I can to avoid that so um and that meant if that meant you know again just you're just scared you kinda of put fear in yourself and mo- you have to motivate yourself and if that meant pissing in a jar absolutely that's what I was gonna do because I don't want to miss a piece um, or miss a move, and again, it might, be it's extreme, and, you know, whatever, you might think I'm crazy, you might think I'm nuts, whatever, I, you know, it is what it is, but I just didn't want to go back to that position, didn't want to go back to that scenario where, um, where I'd have to work again, um, where I'd have to be able to, to rely on somebody else to pay me, um, you know it, it's it's, a, it's it's once you once you're able to have your own business and work for yourself it's so hard at least for me it would be so hard to be able to go backwards and and no matter what they paid me just i got to report to somebody i got to you know it's just hard so again that's what kind of kept my thing and that's the work ethic that i had to be able to um and i to, to be able to just keep working and going as hard as i could um, for as long as I did. All right, so let's end on that. Um, I'm definitely not going to be doing one of these before Christmas. And, uh, who knows? It might not even be in the New Year, so we'll see what's up. But, uh, I want to wish everybody out there Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Uh, Happy Hanukkah to my Jewish friends out there. If you celebrate Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. And, um, enjoy the holidays. Happy Holidays. And, um... We'll definitely hook up soon again. Thank you so much for the time. Until next time.